bow our heads in prayer. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Father, it's your word. Have your way, Father. Let it penetrate every hungry heart. Let it touch every heart that has gone away from you and every heart that is lingering after you. We pray that nothing will rob your word from your children today. We pray, Lord God, that there will be peace and harmony and your word will find its place in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've titled today's message as In Times of Crisis, God is with us. In Times of Crisis, God is with us. And I've taken it from the book of Psalms, chapter 46. We'll be reading from verses 1 to 11, and we will be meditating on these 11 verses today. And we will see how God talks to us this afternoon in times of crisis. Psalm 46 from the New King James Version. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. We must thank God that we are living in a nation that has peace. We must truly thank God. But that's not so with the neighboring countries around us. We don't see that. They do not know when war will come. And they live in a time of crisis, any time. And that's what, when we turn our TV on, all that we see is crisis taking place all around us. We do not know what tomorrow holds. But we thank God, like Pastor says, if the children of God fail to pray, the enemy starts to work. And as long as the children of God bow their knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord will establish peace around them. Amen. 
It is only the grace of God that is allowing us to live in peace, even though there is chaos right around us. We see the crisis around us, but on the other side, if you look, we are also facing crisis in our personal life. Many of us, people are facing crisis in marriages. Many are existing just because of children. They are facing crisis. Still others are wondering as to how they will overcome the financial problems they are going through. Many are struggling financially and they are waiting when will that end in their lives. Still others are facing jobs. They are not sure whether they will have their job tomorrow morning. Because every day they hear different, different stories. They are looking forward for new jobs. All around us, people are facing crisis. All of us have problems that we face, whether it could be at home, it could be at work, it could be in the church, or in the nation. Interestingly, Psalm 46 was written in a time of crisis that Israel was facing. The Assyrian army had traveled from north and they came and they surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Sister, go back, sister. And we find in chapter 36, it was in the 4th century, we find in the 14th year of King Ezekiel's reign that the Assyrian army attacked Jerusalem. They attacked this, this nation and now we find Sennacherib. He first tried to attack the people by saying, you have nowhere, you have nowhere to run, you have nowhere to hide. Many times through crisis, that's the word that comes to us. You have nowhere to run, you have nowhere to hide. And that's what he threw at the people of Jerusalem, saying, you have no hope. The second thing, he wanted to trouble them and discourage them after attacking them in this way. He says, now, what do you think? You're trusting in Egypt? Do you trust the king of Egypt for him to help you? He is like a broken reed. And if you lean upon him, it will only prick you. That didn't stop, and he says, let me try the third way to attack these people. And that's what the enemy will keep on doing to us in times of difficulties, that he will put words, and if that does not work, he throws a second thing. If that doesn't work, he throws a third thing. He keeps on taunting us, waiting for us to give up. And the third area, he says, he told them, you are now trusting in God? Why do you put your trust in God? Look what the king Ezekiel has done. He has broken every altar in the high place and he tells you not to worship God here, but you have to worship God only in Jerusalem. And how do you think God is going to help you now when he is not allowing you to worship him here? Ezekiel, in, chapter, in Isaiah chapter 37, Ezekiel now after hearing all this, he sent his people to go and see prophet Isaiah and inform him of the crisis that was taking place around him. Isaiah immediately talks to Ezekiel's people 
and says, go back to Ezekiah and tell Ezekiah not to fear the words of King Sennacherib. Not to fear is words because it's the words that pulls us down. It's the words that discourages us. He says, don't trust in his words. In other words, he says, God is saying, I have everything under control because I am with you. Amen? This morning while meditating on the scripture and I went a little more closer and I found in chapter 37 verse 35, God was answering and saying, I will not destroy this nation or this people or Jerusalem because of one reason and that one reason is because of my servant David. There's, four, there's about 11 generations have passed. 320 years later, 320 years later, God remembers David. And he says, Ezekiah, I will not destroy Jerusalem because of my servant David. What does that tell us? Every man of God, every woman of God in this house, when you labor for God and when you stand for God, Generations can pass by and after many generations when one of your generations is facing crisis and when they bow their knees before God and say God remember me God will remember what you have sown in his kingdom that he will call forth your name even after so many generations if he could remember David after 324 years and say I will not let Jerusalem be destroyed. Will he not do it for you and me after many generations come to pass? God is giving us that assurity, but there's one condition for that. David was a man after God's own heart. Even Ezekiah knew his God. If you look at chapter 36, 37, you'll find every time when Ezekiah faced something, he ran into the temple of God. And when your next generation runs before God, God will remember you. Amen? This tells us another story also to, to keep in mind. Every time in the times of crisis, we should run to the word of God. 2020, our church has gone into the word of God. And when you have crisis and you run to the word of God, there are hundreds of promises that will make you strong in Jesus' name. It's the word of God that will bring you back to the cross. Amen. At the end of Isaiah 37, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord went forth and destroyed the Assyrian army. In other words, that the angel of God went and killed 185,000 people overnight because of one man who defied God, who spoke wrong about God, in your time of crisis, people might look down upon you and say, where is your faith? What have you done? They will say many things, but I tell you, God will protect you in your times of difficulty. Now on this occasion, what I've just explained, Psalm 46 was written. On this, what was taking place, Psalm 46 was written in celebration to the victory that Jerusalem had 
It was not by power, it was not by might, but it was only by the Spirit of God. Not a sword was lifted up. Basically, God is telling you, you do not have to lift up your hands because I am in your midst. Amen? This psalm has three parts in it that I want to divide it into three parts. Number one, yes, my sister, it's from verses one to three, it talks about God's presence, one to three. Basically saying, God is our refuge and our strength. That's what one to three says. And if you look at the psalm in King James Version, after verse 3, there's a word, Selah, comes in. Basically what it says, the, the Hebrew word is, pause, wait, meditate, look back. Every time in the time of crisis, you need to sit down and look back. God has taken me so far, will he not take me more further? Amen. In verses 4 to 7, the second part, it talks about God's peace. First part talks about his presence. Every time when the presence of God comes into your life, he brings peace into your life. Every time when there is no, when there is chaos, you must first realize, God, it means your presence is not there with me. That's the reason there's chaos. Because when God's presence comes, immediately peace flows through you. Amen. We find that it says it's like a river shall make glad the city of God. That's the second part that we see. God's peace is like a refreshment in days of trouble. It's again, again we find in verse 7, we find the word Selah come again. It means hold on, ponder. From verses 8 to 11, the third part First is presence, second we find is peace, and in the third part it comes, we find God's power getting manifested. His presence, his peace, and now his power is manifested. Now, we can trust him to bring us through, and in verse 11 we find the same word, Selah, means in times of crisis, God's presence is around us. His presence brings us peace. And last, His presence empowers us with power. He fills us with power to walk victorious every day of our life. That's what He does. Do you remember on 27th December, before I could share the word, the Lord gave me a word and I shared it to all of you. It was taken from the book of Isaiah 45, verse 2, on that Friday, I will go before thee and make every crooked path straight. Do you remember that word? Hold on to that scripture. Every crooked path that comes before you, God will make it straight in Jesus' name. This afternoon, we are going to study God's word to see how this psalm strengthens us and gives us courage to hold on. My first point is, our God is our refuge. First point, our refuge is in God's presence. Our refuge is in God's presence. Verses 1 to 3, we will look at very carefully. It says, we go, let us keep our Bibles open. That's what we are going to dwell today on. God is our refuge and strength, 
Look at the word it says, a very present help in trouble. I'm, I'm reading from King James Version. Literally mean, the Hebrew word for trouble basically says, when you are in a tight corner, when you are crushed between two rocks or two boulders you are crushed, and when you are in a total corner, when you feel helpless like this, no matter what be the circumstances, pay attention, no matter what be the circumstances, when you are in a tight corner or in trouble, you should remember two truths about God. Whenever you are in a tight corner, there is two truths that you have to remember about God. Number one, God is our personal refuge. Amen? He is, in our, he is our personal refuge and that is found in Psalms chapter 61 verses 4. Psalm 61 verses 4. If you have your Bibles, the Bible says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in your shelter of your wings. And see that word again. Salah comes forth again. So when you are in crisis, his tabernacle is there. His presence is there. Ponder, reflect. I brought you so far. Will not I take you through? Amen? He says that he is our refuge and strength, our refuge and our shelter. Have you ever been, I don't know, have you ever been in a storm or in a heavy rain at any time? Thank you. I have been once, while uh, back in the U.S., uh, I've never seen hail rain, you know, hailstones fall. And one day while driving, suddenly hailstones started falling and I started praying immediately. I was more scared about my car. Because the car was not mine, not just because it's mine, it's because it was not mine, it belonged to my dealership. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And you know the roads in U.S., between, on the highway, there's nothing. Here we got trees. There's nothing. It's just an highway. And I was praying and suddenly the Lord gave me a big bridge. And I was, I remember my senior pastor telling me, whenever you are in trouble, look forward to bridges and go under them. And I took my car, went under the bridge and I had shelter. When I was studying this, it reminded me of that. And again, when there was a, uh, when there was the first time that I, I witnessed real rain. When I say real rain, is when I heard the rain fall, I thought the roof will come down, because there the roofs are made with wood. More than that, don't misunderstand me, when it thundered, I felt like as if the thunder was over the roof, I immediately fell on my knees and started praying, God, I don't want to die so soon. Please, not for anything else, I don't want to die. Not that this roof should fall. I knew what, were, what it was to face thunder and storm and hailstones. Spiritually, God is telling, when you go through these storms in life, I will become your shelter. I will shelter you that no harm, no danger will ever come near you in Jesus' name. The second one, God is our powerful refuge. My second point is, he is our personal refuge. He is our powerful refuge. He is the one who gives us the strength 
to face storms. Amen? He enables us to go forward every step of the way. His presence, His word gives us that strength to go. Verse 1b, it see the verse 1b, it says, a very present help. Now what does that mean, very present help? In Hebrew it means immediately, at once. God is always there. He is quick. Even before you can call, He is there. Amen? During rough times, difficult times, before you can call. How many times we have never prayed for something and He has supplied it to us, correct? And we even don't know about it. The Word of God also says, not only He is a refuge and strength, He is also a shield. If you look, turn to Psalm 3. Verse 3, Psalm 3, verse 3. Let us see what the scripture says there. It says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You see that? And when God becomes a shield for you and me, there's something that takes place. Look at the same scripture. My glory, you become my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Many times in crisis, what's the first thing that falls? Our countenance falls. We might be dressed nicely. We might be having the best tie, the best coat, everything. But our countenance, people will be able to see what's wrong with you. And he says, who lifts up my head in times of crisis. God is a shield to you and me. And he is the one that lifts our head up high. Amen. Someone once said it this way. Sometimes God calms the storm for me, but other times He calms me to face the storm. He will either do one. He will either calm the storm for you, or He will be, make you calm and that you will walk through the storm, either through a sickness, through a disease, through plague, through no whatever thing. He will make you walk because you will walk knowing that His presence is there with you. Amen. Let us go back to Psalm 46, verses 2 and 3. We see how God, God's presence is continually over there. It says, therefore, we will not fear, look at that scripture, even though the earth be moved, number one, and though the mountains be carried, number two, where the mountains be carried, even if the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Now if you look at this it's talking about two things. The earth and the mountains are symbols of stability that they can't be shaken. Yet God is promising you and me in the times of crisis and trouble if we learn to abide in his presence, every mountain will fall in Jesus name. I want you to say that in faith to your neighbor every mountain that you're facing will fall in Jesus name. Amen. Two things came to my mind when I, when, when, when I was doing this. A scripture and a song. We will sing, we will do that both together. The scripture is found in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. If you're going through crisis, I want you to remember the scripture. Carry the scripture as long as you live. Walk with the scripture. And the scripture will be strength to you. It's found for God has not given to me a 
spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You will not lose your mind in Jesus' name. I like the song, Hide Me Now Under Your Wings. Shall we sing that? Hide me now Under situation that you will bring everything Lord God under total control of your dominion in Jesus name we pray please be seated in the presence of the Lord let's look at Mark chapter 6 verses 45 to 52 I want to bring it in line with this with with Psalm 46 we find the occasion Mark chapter 6 45 to 52, we find an account of Jesus sending the disciples out in the midst of a storm in the, in the Sea of Galilee. If you look at the situation, Jesus is now sending his disciples and says, go to the other side. And when they go, immediately he sends them out this side. On the other side, he goes up to the mountain to pray. Immediately, they face a storm. The disciples begin to panic. Immediately, Jesus comes to them. He comes to them walking on the water. At first, they, they are afraid because they think that he is a ghost. The first thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth in a time of storm, and when he is approaching you, the words came, be of good cheer. That means don't be afraid. It is high. It is I. Do not be afraid. Every time in crisis, whatever be your crisis, the first thing of the word of God is do not be afraid. It is me. In that boat, it is me. In your situation, it is me that is going to be there. Don't be afraid. He goes into the boat. He says, don't be afraid. He enters the boat and the first thing he does, he calms the storm. What does that tell us? We need to have Jesus in our life to calm every storm. In our own strength, we cannot do it. We cannot do it. 
we might think we have done it. The next morning it's there. If you look at verse 51, it concludes by saying, they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marvel. Who is this man? Who is this man? And that's what your seers and your hearers will say to you. Every time that you are in a circumstance and a difficulty, the people around you will say, what is it that he or she has that even in this crisis, they have no fear? And that is the presence of God. Now, let us take this. How is Jesus, Jesus Christ, our refuge in times of trouble, in reality? How is he our refuge in the times of trial, of uh, in, in trouble, I want to show you three ways from this, from, from Mark 6. Three ways. Number one, in reality, number one, He intercedes for us. Look at verse 46. While the disciples were about to enter the storm, Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Before you can even enter your problem, the Lord is all, already praying for you and me. Amen. Let us turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and look at verse 5 what the Bible says. I'll show you two scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. By this we know there is no one else mediating for us. No one in heaven, it's only Jesus alone. No one on the earth, it's Jesus alone. No one below the earth, it's Jesus alone. Let us see one more scripture. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. I would encourage bread of life. I've been telling this in many churches. Pay attention, please. How many of you love Jesus? Okay. How many of you love his word? How many of you have his word? Never enter the house of God without his word. You carry his word today, his word will carry you tomorrow. You carry his word in your heart today, he will carry you tomorrow. Every time when a scripture is given to you and you open your scripture and you see this is my word, this is my, this is my portion, I will hold this on. And in the time of crisis, you can run. Because if you think we have, we are intelligent, which is true, we are intelligent, the enemy can steal that word away from us. It's scripturally. I would encourage you, if we call ourselves children of the Most High God, we need to carry the word of God. And when times of crisis, that word will carry you through. Nothing will shake your boat. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 7.25 Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come save to the utmost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I like the passage when you look at the Lord's Prayer. What made the disciples go to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. They found this man 
who was dealing with society in a supernatural way. They said, what is this that even the storms obey this man, demons tremble at this man's word, sickness departs from this man's word, what is it? And then they realized this man's secret was in his prayer life. This prayer, the man, this man, his prayer life must be the secret of that, em that empowerment taking place in his life. And they come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. What is he still doing? Praying. What are we supposed to be still doing? There's one thing that you and I are supposed to be doing till he takes us home. Pray. Daily to communicate with him. Never to stop going to him. Never to stop having a communion. It should be like the two men to Emmaus where Jesus accompanied them. That should be our journey that every day we should feel his presence. Continuously knowing his presence is with me. Amen. The second part, he inter first is he intercedes for us. The second one, he sees us where we are. Look at verse 48. The first part, A. He saw them straining at the rowing. He is interceding for them. He sees them straining at the row. And it says, the Lord is not blind to our struggles. Everywhere that we are rowing, we are finding it difficult. In every area, he says, he is seeing us. Do you know even the very hairs on your head are numbered, even though some of us are still struggling? Even that is numbered, the few that Pastor and myself have. I won't call anybody else. It's found in Luke chapter 12, verse 7. Go read it. It's true. I'm not lying. Even the hairs on your head, whatever's remaining, is still numbered by him. Amen. Amen. He is aware of our burdens, my brothers and sisters. Every burden. If he's taking care of the sparrows, if he's taking care of the lily in the field, we are much more than sparrows, much more than lilies in the field. I was sharing with NG4C last night. If you learn to give your life to Jesus, if you learn to seek him, everything he will bring to you that is the secret of Christian living. You run after his word, the things of the world will run after you. They will even overtake you and say, this is yours, this is yours. Why? Because you are running after God. Nothing you have to fear, he will give it to you. I say this with total honesty and at this pulpit. Everything that I want, my God has supplied it. I have not got begging. He has sent his ravens. He has sent his children. And they are blessed. It is only because of him. That's all. I've learned the secret. And I impart this into your lives today. Run after him. And you do not even have to worry what shoe you wear. That will come to your doorstep and it will be there as a gift for you. I'm not saying that in a different way. I'm saying it. My God shall supply every need of yours. That's the secret of walking before God blamelessly and loving Him. Amen. The third, He intercedes for us. He sees us where we are. And the third one, after seeing where he, we are, He comes to us. Look at verse 48, the C part. Look at that verse. Hold on to the scripture. 
he came to them. Look at one more scripture, verse 40, 51. It says, he went to them. In the time of struggle, he was there beside them. Amen? He is interceding. He sees and he comes. Amen? Hebrew chapter 15, 13, verses 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is not a liar. He is not a liar. He is not a liar. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth. Amen? I want you to tell your neighbor, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? My second point, quickly I'll run. Our refreshment is God's peace. Verses 4 to 7 we are looking at. Verses 4 says, There's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Now this river is not the river of a flood that we are talking in, in, uh, in this uh, study. It's a, it's a, a, it's a calm stream. It's a, it's a symbolic of God's peace that can flow through our lives even in trouble. Now the sons of Korah wrote this psalm to keep in remembrance of their defeat over the Assyrian army, of how God brought them through. The fields were burnt, the city was surrounded, however, Jerusalem had an advantage. Nearby was the Gion Springs, which you see right on top. Ezekiel cut a canal deep into the rock. He brought this stream right from Gion Springs to the pool of Shalom near the temple. Even in crisis, the enemy had no idea there was a spring that was running under their city. And the water was there. It was refreshing in the time of crisis. Without that life-giving water, the people could have perished not from the attack from outside, they could have been perished from inside because they would not have had water. What does that tell us? When we are troubled or attacked by the enemy, you will have the living water flowing in you that the enemy will not see, people will not see. That living water will be refreshing to you every time in Jesus' name. That water will give you the strength that you will not be dried up in Jesus' name. And the reason for that is we need to go to the word of God daily. That that water refreshes us every moment. Romans chapter 15, quickly. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now, the God of hope, the God of hope, what he will do? He will fill you with all joy. You see, this not, doesn't say just joy. With all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, during the time of crisis, you're sleeping, say hallelujah. God bless you. I like it. I've seen somebody sleeping and saying hallelujah also. <laughs> Beautiful. I love you. I love you with the love of the Lord. Many people in the time of crisis, 
they run to, because they are thir thirsty, they run to quench the thirst in different areas. We have to be very careful. They run to broken cisterns. They run to broken wells because they want to quench that moment of, of thirstiness, that moment of dryness, that moment of turmoil. They will look for something else and that water will never quench you. That water will never quench you. Maybe it's a lie that we will say to get over, thinking that we have to get over the situation. That's not going to help you. Maybe something you take away which is not yours, thinking that this will, this will help me in this time of situation. That will help you only for that moment. Again, you will want to go steal. Especially when you are lonely. Don't look for a partner who is not yours. That person is not going to squinch that thirst. In times of loneliness, in times of crisis, be careful which system you go to drink your water from. When Jesus met the woman at the well, in John chapter 44, chapter, uh, verse 13, he says to her that if you drink this water, you will thirst. And you know there are some friends who have told me that the well of Jacob in Israel has the sweetest water. The people who have gone there, they said that that water is the sweetest. And Jesus is telling, even this water you drink is not going to quench your thirst. But the word that I give will overflow from you. Amen. How God, He always protects us in times of trouble through His word. The Lord spoke to His prophet in Jeremiah chapter 2. This is a very important scripture. Hold on to it. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, he says, What is the main reason we don't have peace in times of trouble? Why do Christians, children of God, do not have peace in the times of trouble? Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For my people have committed two evil. Look at that. They have forsaken me. That means running to the temporary well, finding a temporary solution not running to God. They have committed two evil. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Now you saw what I was trying to explain a little earlier. Instead of going to the living water, we go to other wells to fill our quench, our thirst. He says, and em themselves to cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Basically he's saying, you are trusting in flesh and blood. Somebody promises you, you hold on to that, hold on to me, the word of the Lord says, because I will never leave you. Let us go back quickly to Psalm 46 now. Now, Jerusalem could rejoice and find peace in the midst of war because God was in their midst. He, they could not be moved. Verse 7, look at verse 7. We are going back to Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God no longer dwells in tabernacles. He dwells with his people. Every time in a child or a person who gives their life to Jesus, and Jesus becomes, number one, their Lord, number two, when he becomes their Savior, and mostly when he becomes their Master, Lord, Savior and Master, when that person 
has these three in them, the spirit of God dwells in that person. You need all three. Many of us do not make him our master. We like him only to be our savior, to, to go to heaven. But we do not want to obey him. Your obedience will allow this, that fresh water to flow through you in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Who are you? The temple of God. Who dwells in you? The Spirit of God. Do you know that song? Know ye not, know ye not, you're the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, you're the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, you're the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Filled with praise. Filled with praise, filled with power, filled with glory. Filled with praise, filled with power, filled with glory. Filled with praise, filled with power, filled with glory. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Basically the song is saying, when His presence begins to dwell in you, you will be filled with praise, no matter what be the circumstances. You will be filled with power to overcome your circumstances and you will be filled with the glory of God. Amen? May that be your portion in Jesus' name. Nations will rise, but they will fall. Problems will come, but they will go. But the Lord will remain with you through it all. Amen? Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, he said in Romans chapter 8 verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hold on to the scripture. Hold on to the scripture. Write it on your doorpost. Write it on your walls and keep it there to remind you. Amen? My third point is, our reliance is in God's power, verses 8 and 9. We've seen verses 1 to 3, we've seen that tells us that of God's presence. Verses 4 to 7, we've seen of God's peace. And both these verses end with the word Selah. And now we are entering the third section of this passage, verses 8 to 9. The Bible says, let us see that scripture, Come, behold the works of the Lord. Who has made desolation in the earth? He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. There is coming a day when the hacks of terror, terrorism will end in Jesus' name. Wars will end one day, one day in Jesus' name. Weapons of mass destruction will cease one day in Jesus' name. Because His omnipotent presence, His mighty power, God will bring human history to a grand conclusion that this will one day end in Jesus' name. Let us see a scripture to, to, to endorse the scripture, to endorse what I said. Isaiah 2. Let's take Isaiah 2 verse 4. 
He shall judge between the nations. Isaiah 2 verse 4. And rebuke many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. May it be so in Jesus name. Because God is all powerful. God is in control of every situation. You and I do not have to fear. The believer does not need to even be afraid of death. How many of us, the moment we are in the hospital, the first thing fear is, am I going to die? Am I going to die? You know every believer, sorry to say this, but it's the truth. If ever that moment comes, you should rejoice. Because there's a reward waiting for you in heaven. How many few amens? There is a reward waiting for you in heaven. And may that be your portion in Jesus' name according to what you have confessed. Sorry, I'm saying this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Look at Matthew 10, 28, what the Bible says. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. One more scripture quickly. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. He who is in you is greater than the one in this world. Can I hear an amen? amen. My last concluding point. God's plan requires our response. Everything God is going to do are about to do or will do now, there is a response required from you and me. The woman who had the bleeding, she had to do something. So what is our response for all this? It's verse 10 to 11, closing. Verses 10 and 11 gives the response of you and me in the time of crisis. And let us look at God's word. Hold on to this word. And it says in verse 10, what is your response? Are we able to do it? Difficult. The most difficult thing to do is to be still. But the word of God says, you're having crisis? Be still. Let us ask God today, God, no matter what I'm going through, help the scripture to be a part of me. It says, be still and what? Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with in your situation. And then it says, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. In response that God requires from you and me is just be still. I want to encourage one of the spouses. If you are having a family, first I will address the family. If you know you're going in a crisis, and if either one of you are getting worried, hold on to that person's hand and tell them, isn't God's word true? Let us be still. I'll teach you one more secret that I've learned growing up in Christ. In times of crisis, learn to worship God. Every chain will be broken when you learn to worship God. It's scriptural. When they were in the jail... They did only one thing. They worshipped God 
and chains were broken, doors were opened. It is scripturally, when you learn to worship God in crisis, those chains that are holding you captive will be broken. Those doors which were shut will be opened that you will walk through in Jesus' name. That is God's word. Take his word, hold on to it and say, you are not a liar. Remember, I think there's a beautiful song, he is not a liar. I don't know, don't know the song, I know that we sing it. God is not a liar. He does not lie to us. We lie to one another to save face. But he does not do that. Amen. Verse 8 says, come and be old. Verse 8 says, come and be old. Verse 10 says, be still and know. See, one, come and, come and be old, come and see. Another one, be still and know that I am God in that situation. Amen. God's plan is the same even today. Now, God calls us to see. The screen has gone off for me. God calls us to see something. What is God wanting us to see? Number one, God wants us to see his son suspended on the cross. Sister, can I have that slide? Bearing the sins of humanity. That's the first thing God wants us to see. The second thing he wants us to see is that great love that was on the cross that Jesus was able to lay down his life for you and me. Amen. The third thing that God wants us to see, he wants us to come and see the empty tomb. That tomb does not hold Jesus anymore. The fourth thing that God wants you and I to see is that Jesus won the victory over death, over hell, and over the grave. He wants us to see that. That's the fourth. The fifth thing that God wants us to see at the cross at the empty cross, he wants us to see forgiveness, grace, peace, joy, and strength in Christ alone. Only in Christ alone, God wants us to see this. Sixth, lastly, that God wants you and I to see. He wants us to see heaven through faith in Christ alone. And all this only in Christ and in Christ alone alone that God wants you and I to see. I want to conclude today's message. God is waiting to forgive our sins. Are we willing to come to him? If you look, I said something different. I'm not talking about your crisis at this moment. God is addressing our sin at this moment. He wants to forgive us for our sins. Sometimes we are not able to overcome crisis. One of the reasons is because we have sinned against him willfully. Willfully. Not willing to think. Number two, you might be a saint or you might be a sinner. Please pay attention to this. Don't get distracted. You might be a saint or a sinner in this sanctuary it makes no difference to God because all of us need a savior. Amen? Amen? Every sinner needs a savior and every saint of God needs a savior to walk daily. You see the difference? If you're a sinner, you need a savior 
to come to to come to God through Jesus and if you are a saint you need that savior every day not one time and it's over whoever you are sinner or saint at times of crisis we need shelter and that shelter is found in Christ and in Christ alone i want to encourage you this afternoon any one of you are facing crisis god is there to strengthen you you must learn to walk daily with him i want to have my last slide what should i do in response to what god has said now this response is a two edged sword one is a response to what you're going to do and in another thing what are your resolutions for 2020 what is your resolution for 2020 with the connection to the number one, go to god daily every child of god should know to run to god daily number one, in order for you to grow i'm talking in order for you to grow number two, read god's word daily you need both number 3 obey god moment by moment every step of the way obey him don't obey him one day and then do your own thing another day obey him every day fourth witness for christ daily through your life through your words and through your works amen fifth trust god in detail of your life last holy spirit allow the holy spirit to take control and to empower you daily this should be our resolution for 2020 you need his word you need to speak to him you need to walk with him every day and if you do this he will empower to you to witness for him and when he allows us the holy spirit begins to work in you he will begin to flow through you you don't have to do anything his presence through you will bring healing his presence through you will bring restoration his presence through you will will calm the storm because he is with you amen can we rise to our feet please we sing the second part find rest my soul in christ alone find rest my soul in christ alone no
will be still. I will be One, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not given your life to Christ, you have been, you could say, I am a Christian, but you didn't welcome Jesus into your life. I would request the congregation to just have your heads bowed. It's a solemn time of major decisions to be made today. If you have not given your life to Jesus, and you didn't allow him to be the Lord of your life, the savior of your life, the master of your life, I would like you to just raise your hands. I will pray with you. There will be a mighty transformation from today onwards. Just lift up your hands if you have not given your life to Christ. It's a time between you and God. Please don't be laughing, chatting. It's a time between heaven and hell. The second opportunity. You have given your life to Christ. But for some reason, you have gone away from Him. Or, if you are facing crisis of any sort, as we have our heads bound, I would like you to lift up your hands, whatever be the crisis, and we are going to pray in one accord today. Just let your right hands go up. God sees it. We have heard his word quite sufficient. Father, my hand and my brother's and my sister's hands are being lifted up to your throne room of grace today. We all have some type of crisis, Lord God. But we believe today your word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your presence, Lord God, to come and flow through us. Father, you destroyed the Assyrian army in one night. Every chains that are holding our children and me, any type of crisis that are holding us, send forth your angels, Lord God. Send forth your word, O Father. Let your word today come and overshadow us, Lord God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Every circumstances, we command you to go in Jesus' name. Because Jesus, you are the Lord of our circumstances. Lord, when you came, you said, be still. Be of good courage. It is I. Father, I pray that this victory night, people will come forward flooding to say that you have answered their prayer. Father, we say thank you that in the time of crisis, you are our refuge and our shelter. You are the God in whom we put our trust, Lord God. Today we surrender everything to you. We freely give it to you. Take over, Lord God. Turn our situations, turn our trials into triumphs, Lord God. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. I call upon our pastor.
please continue to be in an attitude of prayer. We have heard powerful words from this pulpit. We have heard the solution that many of us are seeking. In times of crisis, God is with us. And the solution, as has been elaborated upon over the last 45 minutes or so, is we need to seek the presence of God. We need to seek the peace of God. We need to seek the power of God. In times of crisis, God's presence will see us through. In times of crisis, God's peace will see us through. In times of crisis, it's God's power and God's power only that will see us through. Church, just talk to God. I don't know what crisis you have. You don't know what crisis I have. But many of us raised our hands that we need God to be with us. Psalm 45 verse 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. 19. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. And if we have been reading the book of the Gospel of John, you will see in John chapter 14, it says, verse 14, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is the words of Christ. Two chapters later he says in verse 24 of chapter 16. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Church we have a few minutes. Ask in Jesus name. Ask for that peace. Ask for the presence of God. Ask for the power of God to be with you. Ask that you will turn away from your sin. Church, pray. Let's just talk to God right now. Whatever is that obstacle that stands between God and me, whatever is preventing God's presence, God's peace, God's power to be with me during my time of crisis, Church, let's ask God right now. Because Jesus has clearly stated, ask in my name and you will receive. The English I know tells me that you will receive means it's a hundred percent guarantee. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your words, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord, for in your word, in your scripture, you have given us the roadmap for daily living, Lord Father. Father God, you have assured us time and again, fear not. 
Father God, you have told us in so many ways, in so many words, right across your scriptures, that in you is our peace. In you is our prosperity. In you is our future. Father God, help us, help every one of us to tap into your word, Lord. Not to look to the right or to the left, Lord, but just to seek your word, to seek your face, so that our todays and our tomorrows will be beautiful. Father, we surrender every one of us into your hands. We thank you, Lord, that you have ministered to us this day, Lord. And Father God, we pray, Lord, that every word that was uttered from this pulpit today, Lord, shall not go void, Lord, but shall accomplish that which it, has, it is meant to accomplish, Lord. Father, we thank you for the servant whom you used this day, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will empower him the more, Lord, that you will bless him and his family, Lord Father, that they shall indeed be a blessing to us, Lord. They shall indeed bring words of wisdom and edify us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for every one of us gathered here, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that even as we go from here, Lord, whatever burdens we have brought in, we will leave them behind and walk out, Lord. Whatever crisis we have brought in, Lord, whatever crisis has bent us over, Lord Father, we shall walk straight now, Lord. Because your presence, your peace, your power is upon us, Lord Father. Father, we thank you for this time. We give all glory to you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless your church. Let's move outside. Fellowship with each other.